The following Pin Drop Audiobook Theater Company presentation are selected short stories from Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles, adapted for podcast by Kate McClanahan. The first story in this podcast is entitled The Locus, featuring Carla Kelly, Gerald Emmerich, Tamara Meskimen, and David Gazone, followed directly by Night Meeting, featuring Robin Carfo as the narrator, Chuck White as Tomas Gomez, Dan Jablons as Pop, and Tate Rupert as Mui Ka. These stories were recorded and edited by Sean Jacobson and Mike Barami at Big House Casting and Audio in Hollywood, California. And now the third installment in our four-part series from The Martian Chronicles. February 2071. The Locusts. The ship set the bony meadows afire. Turned rock to lava. Turned wood to charcoal. Transmitted water to steam. The ships came like drums. Beating in the night. The ships came like locusts. Swarming and settling in blooms of rosy smoke. And from the rockets ran men with hammers in their hands. In order to beat the strange world into a shape that was familiar. In order to bludgeon out the strangeness. Their mouths fringed with nails. So they resembled some sort of steel-toothed carnivores. Spitting them into their swift hands as they hammered up frame cottages. And libraries. And storefronts. And they scuttled over roofs. With shingles to blot out the eerie stars that still sent a shiver. And fit heavy curtains to pull closed against the night. And when the carpenters hurried on. The decorators decorated. With plants and pots. With chintz and knickknacks. It was their turn. To set up a kitchen clamor to cover the silence that Mars made. And Mars waited. Patiently. Just outside the door just outside the heavy curtained windows. And in six months' time, a dozen small towns had been laid down upon the naked planet, filling empty spaces and places and sounds, with sizzling neon tubes and marquees, with yellow electric bulbs and billboards and bureaucracy. In all, some 90,000 people came to Mars. And more on Earth were packing their grips and queuing up as fast as flights could be arranged. Before going up into the Blue Hills, Tomas Gomez stopped for gasoline at the lonely station. Kind of lonely out here, aren't you, Pop? The old man wiped off the windshield of the small truck. Nah, it's not bad. So, uh, how do you like Mars, Pop? Always something new. You think? You haven't been up here all that long, have you? Uh, long enough. <laughs> As for me, I made my mind up when I came up here last year. I wouldn't be surprised at nothing. I came to Mars to retire. All you gotta do is open your eyes and you're entertained. Ah. You got a wife? Somebody to take care of you? I got this gas station. I figure if business picks up too much, I'll move back to some other old highway that's not too busy, so as I can earn just enough to live on and still have time to feel the different things here. (laughs) You got that right, Pop. Tomas tossed a quarter in the air and caught it. He was feeling good. He had been working in one of the new colonies for ten days straight and now had two days off and was headed to a party. If you can't take Mars for what she is, you might as well go back to Earth. I tell you... Everything's crazy up here. The soil, the air, the canals, the natives. The Uh, the natives? I'm not saying I saw any yet, but I hear they're around. And the clocks. Even my clock acts funny. Even time is crazy up here. (laughs) You say time is crazy, do you? Sometimes. I feel I'm here all by myself. Like there's no one else on the whole damn planet. I'd take bets on it. The old man looked off into the blue hills as he spoke, looking off where Tomas was headed. Mars just plain is what it is. You know that highway right there? Built by Martians over 16 centuries ago. And looky there. 
If it ain't still in tip-top condition, I don't know what. As long as she gets me where I'm going, suits me fine. You have yourself a good night there, son. Thanks, Pop. Do my best. Tomas drove off down the ancient highway, smiling to himself. It was a long road going into darkness and hills, and he held to the wheel, now and again reaching into his lunch bucket, taking out a piece of candy. He had been driving steadily for an hour, with no other car on the road, no other light but his own headlights ahead of him, and the road going under. The hum, the roar, and Mars out there, so quiet. Mars was always quiet, but quieter tonight than any other. The deserts and empty seas swung by him and the mountains against the stars. There was a smell of time in the air tonight. He smiled wide. What did time smell like? It became a game Tomas played with himself as he drove. Time smelled like dust and clocks and people. And going further, what did time look like? Time looked like snow dropping silently into a black room. It looked like a silent film in an ancient theater. He pulled into a little dead Martian town, stopped the engine, and let the silence come in around him. He sat barely breathing, looking out at the smooth white buildings in the moonlight. Uninhabited for centuries, he thought. Perfect, faultless, in ruins, yes, but perfect nevertheless. Tomas started the engine and drove on another mile or more before stopping again, climbing out, carrying his lunch bucket. Walking out onto a little promontory, he could look back at the subdued, dusty town. It looked like a painting. He opened his thermos and poured himself a cup of coffee. He felt very good, very much at peace, and off in the hills where the ancient highway curved, there was a motion, a dim light, and then a murmur. When out of the hills came a strange thing, it was a machine like a jade-green insect, a praying mantis, delicately rushing through the cold air, indistinct, countless green diamonds winking over its body, and red jewels that glittered with multifaceted eyes. And from the back of the machine, a Martian with melted gold for eyes now looked down at Tomas as if he were looking into a well. For a moment, they looked across the cool air at each other. Tomas's weapon had always been his smile. He didn't carry a gun and felt no need for one now, even with the little fear that gathered about his heart. Tomas raised his hand and only thought, hello, without actually moving his lips. Hello. Hello. They both scowled, bewildered, not understanding. What did you say? Who are you? Each spoke in his own tongue. I'm Tomas Gomez. Muy ka. They tapped their chest to make themselves clear, and then the Martian motioned, and at that moment, Thomas felt his head touched, but no hand touched him. There. That's better. You speak English. Tomas eventually realized the Martian's lips had never moved. He had simply heard the Martian's voice in his head. They stared, embarrassed by a new silence, at the steaming coffee Tomas had in his hand. Would you like some coffee? Something new. Yes, please. The Martian slid down from his machine. A second cup was produced and filled. Their hands met and, like mist, fell through each other, and the coffee cup dropped to the ground. Did you see that? What happened? The Martian bent over to touch the cup, but his hand bled right through. Jesus. Indeed. The Martian tried again to get a hold of the cup, but he could not. Tomas recoiled, shivering. He looked at the Martian against the sky. The stars! I can see them right through you. The stars were white and sharp beyond the flesh of the Martian. They were sewn into his flesh. 
You could see stars flickering like violet eyes in the Martian's stomach and chest and through his wrists like jewelry. I can see through you. And I through you. The pair exhaled, stepping back another step, assessing his own mass for substance, touching his own nose and lips, his own chest for reassurance. I am real, each thought to himself. I am alive. And if I am real, then you must be dead. Tomas stared at the stranger. No, you! You're, you're a phantom! They pointed at each other with starlight burning in their limbs like daggers and icicles and fireflies, and then fell into judging limbs again, each finding himself intact, stunned, awed. And the other, ah yes, that other over there, he's unreal. Some sort of ghostly prism flashing the accumulated light of a distant world. I must be drunk. I'm not going to tell anybody about this tomorrow. No, no! Where are you from? Earth. What is that? There. Tomas nodded to the sky. When? We, we landed over a year ago. All of you were dead. All but a few. You're rare. Don't you know that? That's not true. Yes, dead. I saw the bodies myself, black as coal. In rooms, in the houses, dead. Thousands of them. We're alive. Mister, you've been invaded, only you don't know it. You must have escaped. There was nothing to escape. I'm on my way to a festival now. Don't you see the city? Why, that, that city's been dead for thousands of years. Dead? I slept there last night. And I was in it a week ago and the week before that, and I just drove through it now, and it's a heap. I can see the broken pillars from here. Broken? I can see the moonlight casting the pillar's perfectly upright shadows across the square. They're pristine. The streets are littered with black dust. The streets are clean. They're littered with festival goers. The canals are dried up and empty. The canals are full of lavender wine. It's dead. See all the carnival lights? The beautiful boats as slim as women. The beautiful women as slim as boats. Women the color of sand, I can see them from here. Women holding fire flowers in their hands. That's where I'm going now, to the festival. We'll float on the waters all night long. We'll sing, we'll drink, we'll make love. <laughs> Can't you see it? Mister, that city's as dead as a dried lizard. You're all mixed up. Ask any of our party. I'm headed over to the green city tonight. That's the new colony you had to pass by when you got here where you are now. We just raised that town up out of nothing and set it up over near the Illinois Highway. We bought in a million board feet of Oregon lumber and a couple dozen tons of good steel nails, hammered it together, two of the nicest little villages you ever saw. Tonight, we're warming one of them up. A couple of rockets just came in from Earth bringing families. There's wives and girlfriends and kids. There'll be a barn dances and whiskey and... You say it's over that way? Yeah, you had to pass right by it, over there by those rockets, you see? No, I don't see. Damn it, they're there! Those long silver things. No. <laughs> You're blind. My vision is perfect. You're the one who does not see. But you see the new town, don't you? I see nothing but an ocean at low tide. Mister, that water's been evaporated for over four centuries. You don't see the city the way I describe it? The pillars very white, the boats very slender, the festival lights? Oh, I can see them from here. And listen, listen, I can hear them singing. It's no space away at all. They were cold, and ice was in their flesh. You say you're from the sky? From Earth. Earth means nothing, but can it be? As I came up the pass an hour ago, I felt... Cold? Yes. And now? Oddly, cold again. There was something about the light, the hills, the road. I felt a strangeness, and for a moment, 
I felt I were the last man alive in this world. So did I. The two spoke, confiding like a pair of dear old friends growing warm with the topic. This can only mean one thing. You must be a figment of the past. Me? If anyone, it's you. You're from the past. How can you prove it? What year is it? 2061. What does that mean to me? There is no clock to show you where the stars stand. But the ruins prove it. They prove that I am the future. I am alive. You are dead. Everything in me denies this. My heart beats. My stomach hungers. My mouth thirsts. No, no. Not dead. Not alive. Either of us. Though more alive than anything else. Caught between is more like it. Two strangers passing in the night, that's all. In ruins, you say? I'm afraid so. Who wants to see the future? I mean, honestly, whoever does. A man must face his past, but to think... The pillars crumbled, you say, and the sea empty, and the canals dry. But there they are. They wait for me now, no matter what you say. And for Tomas, the rockets and the town and the women of Earth were just down the crevice and past the blue hills, waiting for him. We can never agree. Ah, we can agree to disagree. What does it change who is past and who is future? We are both alive now. What will follow will follow tomorrow or in 10,000 years. I'd like to go with you to that festival. And I yours, my friend. Perhaps some other night. Tomas smiled and put out his hand. The Martian did likewise in imitation, though their hands did not touch. Then the Martian made his way quietly into the hills atop his strange green metal vehicle, and the man of Earth drove his odd little flatbed truck silently off in the opposite direction. The night was dark. The moons had gone down. Starlight twinkled on the empty highway, where now there wasn't a sound, a person, a car, nothing. And that's just how it remained all the rest of the cool, dark night.